Are you spending too much time chasing down receipts and reconciling your credit card statements at the expense of more important strategic work? Center, a next-generation card and expense solution, eliminates tedious busy work while giving you full visibility and flexibility controls over your employee spend. It's easy to set up, integrates with your GL, and best of all, it's free. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Center, later in the episode. So I walk in to the expo hall, and the first thing I see is a Tesla. Expensify had a Tesla outside their booth. They were giving away a Tesla, apparently. But you missed the, the big part of this. Oh, well, so, wait, hold on. Before you get to that, okay. I, I also want to say I walk in, I see the Tesla, and then I see the double-decker booth. I've never seen this at an accounting conference in my whole life. Expensify had a two-story booth. The kind you see at, I don't know. It was an apartment comp, an apartment, basically. A two-story <laughs> apartment they built in a, in a conference hall. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, so obviously they're going big for this conference. Tell me, what, what was the deal with the Tesla? Today is Saturday, October 30th. This is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Happy Halloween, David. Happy Halloween. And I just saw you again. Two weeks in a row, we saw each other face to face. We were at Scaling New Heights in Fort Worth, Texas. There definitely were no masks. And it was a total opposite situation from the Oracle Sweet World conference we were at, where everybody was required to be vaccinated or get tested and masks were everywhere. It's so it's so crazy in this country, right? You go from one place to another and it's it's like you're in a different world. I did do the Encephal Accountant uh they call it the top 100 dinner, but I think they just have like the top 10. And they had last year's group because they kind of got skipped out on, right? Because there's no conferences last year. So it was a dinner of about 40 to 60 people. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, with those dinners that just drag on a little bit. So you start, so everybody talks about their vaccinations, but everybody, everybody had a vaccination. I didn't, you know, really? didn't meet oh, anybody wow. that wasn't vaccinated. That's interesting. Well, I mean, it, you know, the country is what, 50% vaccinated, something like that. But then you go to, college educated folks and it's over 70%, I'm pretty sure. Like so the more educated you are, the more likely you are to get vaccinated, which if you understand how vaccines work, you're not really afraid of them. But it was uh, also similar to the we were in the press room at NetSuite and everybody was just sitting around the table talking about all the little side effects they got from shots. Like the same conversation mm, happened again. Mm. Like this is what we do at accounting conferences now. Everybody sits around and talks about their shots and the side effects that they did or didn't get. So I walk in to the expo hall and the first thing I see is a Tesla. Expensify had a Tesla outside their booth. They were giving away a Tesla, apparently. But you missed the, the big part of this. Oh, so, wait, hold on. Before you get to that, okay. I, I also want to say I walk in, I see the Tesla, and then I see the double-decker booth. I've never seen this at an accounting conference in my whole life. Expensify had a two-story booth, the kind you see at, I don't know. It was an apartment, comp, an apartment basically. <laughs> a two-story apartment they built in a, in a conference hall. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, so obviously they're going big for this conference. Tell me, what, what was the deal with the Tesla? So Dave Barrett came out and compared uh, accounting automation to the parallels of automated cars, you know, built up, built up, built up. And about two minutes before he did it, I leaned over to a coworker and I was like, he's going to give away a Tesla. And the next thing <laughs> you know, he drives a Tesla on stage. And it didn't get the reaction, I think, maybe... He, you would think it would. Like cheers and people standing up and, and screaming. Was an awesome, and... Exactly. Because I think people were a little confused. They weren't giving out right then. It's it's a contest they're building up to. Even people not at the conference could have, could 
win this Tesla still. Oh yeah, so the, con- the everyone listening, the con- the contest is still going. So if you are hankering for a Tesla, you could win one. Yeah, and I, I think it, it, even even before he rolled out on stage, he asked P- the accounts and bookkeepers in the audience how many of them uh, own a Tesla, and maybe three hands went up. That's it out of 600 to 800 people there. And that's because most accounts and bookkeepers are either driving a nice used reliable Mercedes or Lexus, right? Or they yeah. have like a, a white Toyota Corolla or a white Kia or a white Hyundai, right? <laughs> it's a simple, simple car. Yes. Yeah, Practical yeah. Car. I'm a, I have a Honda Civic and I have a Lexus. Although I do have a deposit down on a Cybertruck, David, because I, okay. I live in Arizona. I so please, please yeah, get yeah. crazy now. He, he has a deposit oh, heck on a yeah. Cybertruck. It, look, I moved to Arizona. I got to get the Cybertruck. I got to mount the gun rack on it. You know, um, <laughs> oh, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. But, when it happens. but I was just thinking, you know, you know, the, one of the biggest gripes constantly about Expensify is just that they don't have in-person support, which in theory is, I get it. I totally believe well, like make your product so you don't need support. Right. But not just in-person support. They just basically have very little support. I mean, the whole company is like 140 people. They, they they just don't have a big support team. Yeah. And you, it's hard to get it as an accountant. And the accountants and bookkeeping community, you know, have complain about this for years. I get it. Like in theory, yes, you should make your software so you never need support. But the reality is if you're an accountant and you have a hundred clients and you're all using Expensify, that's like 1500 employees, you're going to need support. It's a math game, right? Absolutely, you're going to yes. have to need support. Yes. And, and really he probably should announce like, hey, we're going to give accountants support. Here's a phone number and here's an email address <laughs> or something. I don't know. That would have got a standing ovation. And proof of yes. that was Ted Callahan from Intuit, he he came in. So he was the only Intuit employee that came to the conference. He was there for almost three days, and he did kind of a a Q and A with Joe Woodard on stage. And it was a it was not even a Q and A from Joe; it was an audience Q and A. So the audience pre vetted questions out, and he announces that they're going to bring support for accountants back to the U.S. from overseas. Standing ovation. Well, yeah, because right? yeah, it shows I, what this audience sure. cares about. Accountants and bookkeepers care about the support and service they're going to get. Mm-hmm. For me though, here, here, so I'm, I'm there with Melio. We're going to, we gave out a Peloton. And so I'm there. <laughs> well, and that's why Peloton. I thought it was a big baller, right? Like I'm bringing, giving away a Peloton. <laughs> Look at us. And then Dave yeah. Barrett rolls out a Tesla and I'm like, come on, man. I'm glad you're admitting the truth of the reason you're pissed out about the Tesla. I'm not you pissed got off. I'm not pissed off. I'm just like, wow, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, the funny thing was too, you wanted to have the Peloton at the booth, but then Peloton wouldn't deliver it because oh, it yeah, was. Oh yeah, so that ties to COVID, right? And, yeah. and mass. So Peloton would not have a, would not deliver a Peloton to our booth because the conference was mask optional. Interesting. They didn't want to have their employees subject to possible COVID exposure. And is that why Intuit didn't exhibit? Well, Intuit has like a no travel policy for, oh. a no commerce policy for all their employees. I think this is a complete exception for Ted Callahan to attend. Interesting. It's so weird seeing how like different companies are approaching this. We actually just saw news this week that Oracle NetSuite is going to follow the federal guidance. They're an employer with over 100 employees, and so they are going to require all of their employees to get vaccinated. And then, you, then of course, you have companies that are like, COVID doesn't exist. And, I'm, I'm, and here I am in the middle, and I think you are too, and a lot of us are here in the middle. And I'm the kind of person where I'm triple vaxxed. I'll go to Fort Worth and I'll I'll be mask optional at this point. Like that's that's a compromise I'm willing to make. But I just feel like it's just so nuts in this country. It is. It's it, but the whole thing's confusing. My daughter got it. Got COVID um, recently, and she's the careful one of her brothers and even me. Like she she wears a mask when she has volleyball games, and she's the one mm-hmm. that gets it. And 
nobody else gets it. So I, it's very, very confusing and no, no answers on this. She's fine, right? Like, I just want to point oh, out. Oh, yeah, she's fine. She's over yeah. it now. Like, the, yesterday was day 14 or whatever it was. Yeah. But we but she, no, no real idea of how she got it. Amazing it didn't spread to other people in the house. Yeah. yeah. We have one more piece of news from Scaling New Heights. Well, okay. Can I, can I just before we move on, I'm going to forget if I don't, um, that Expensify contest, right? I think we should tell people how they can win the Tesla since we talked about the Tesla. You have to be an Expensify approved accountant. You have to be a member of the Expensify approved accountant program. You can increase your chances of being selected by assigning activated Expensify cards to your clients between October 25th, 2021 and April 25th, 2022. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Reach Reporting. I use Canva Weekly to create original professional looking artwork for the Cloud Accounting Podcast from easy to use templates. One of the templates Canva offers is financial reports. The templates are beautiful and any accountant or bookkeeper would amaze their clients if they handed the client a quarterly report from one of these templates. But then I realized how much of a headache it would be to take the data from the accounting system, Excel, Google Sheets, etc., add it to the report, copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, and God forbid if the data got updated or changed. In my brain, I got to thinking it would be nice if Canva could do some sort of mail merge functionality, but with financial data or data I have in a table or a spreadsheet. Well, guess what I just discovered? An app has solved this problem. That app is Reach Reporting. Reach Reporting can connect your QuickBooks, Xero, Excel, or Google Sheets data so you can easily build automatically updating financial reports for your clients that are equally, if not more beautiful than any you'll find in Canva. Reach Reporting also has online dashboards you can share with your clients, the ability to create budgets, and it's all powered by always connected sheets so you'll almost have zero learning curve. To enhance your advisory services using Reach Reporting and to get 30% off your clients' first three months, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash reach. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash R-E-A-C-H. So then the last piece of news was they announced when the next Scalonio Heights is, which is going to be held June 19th through the 22nd in Orlando, Florida. The theme of the conference is going to be called, the uh, theme is called Thrive, or that's going to be the, the theme of the conference. And it's going to be held at the Orlando Marriott World Center. I guess apparently that's the biggest Marriott in the world. So all attendees, all sponsors, everybody's going to be under one roof. And it's next door to Disney World. So you Bring can make family. a whole family adventure out of this. Tell me the dates again. June 19th through the 22nd. Uh, Joe Woodard's starting to get this back on his, I start my conference on Father's Day <laughs> schedule. Um, COVID messed that up, but he's getting it back. And really, that's like only 200 days away. Like we're going to be right back at conferences in 200 yeah. days, 250 days or whatever this is. Well, you know, we kind of jumped into app news with scaling and, and this uh, Expensify thing. Shall we just continue on? Let's with keep going. Okay. So the big news in fundraising was Rippling. Parker Conrad's Rippling is now valued at $6.5 billion, which is more than Zenefits at its peak. Parker Conrad, the founder of Rippling, previously founded Zenefits, the infamous Zenefits, which rose dramatically. It was one of those big unicorns in our space and then fell precipitously uh, when it was revealed that they had basically cheated on their exams uh, to become insurance brokers. Uh, that was one of the many brokers. problems they had. Oh, yeah. Right. They, well, the, the other problem was, too, like, yeah, it was a um, Wolf of Wall Street type of work environment. And it, it, didn't, it didn't play well in the HR space. It's kind of the opposite of what you want to be. So when he got kicked out of Zenefits, he was 
expelled as CEO by the board. He went and started Rippling a few months later. Rippling is a payroll company. And their whole big thing is, well, David, you probably can explain this better than I can. What is the difference between Rippling and all those other payroll providers, at least when they started? What was the, what was the differentiation there? Well, I mean, we get to just rewind a little bit about Zenefits. I think when he started Zenefits, like it was at that time, I think there's a mindset of like, it's a land grab. Whoever gets the most customers first is going to win. And they, quote unquote, were the fastest growing SaaS app ever. They even outgrew faster than um, Salesforce. And that was their big brag. So they're bragging about that over here. And then they basically just hired a bajillion salespeople. And it didn't work because eventually, if you don't have a product, it catches up. And I think right, the big yeah. diff- so now he has his second chance. So he's doing it differently. And apparently this time the ratios are completely opposite. Instead of having 200 salespeople to one engineer, I think he has like 200 engineers to one salesperson. Yeah, there's some quote here in the article on one of these tech journals, uh, TechCrunch. It says that it was basically just Conrad, somebody else, and 50 engineers for the first few years. And so, yeah, he learned, I guess he, he decided, I'm going to do the opposite of what I did at Zenefits. And what's interesting is that they have this giant engineering team uh, they're offshore engineers, so they can have way more than you have here. And they are just building like tons and tons of- There's just a lot of product there. I remember the first time I saw it about a year ago, I was like, this is a lot of product for a company that only is like 18 months old. Like there's just a lot of product because you can, I mean, the theory of it is when you hire an employee, you're a, you're a mid-sized company, you got to, mm-hmm. you got to, you know, set them up on their health insurance and their retirement. And you also got to issue them a laptop and maybe when uh, an expense card and, and you have to and you have to act, give them access to a bunch of software through a mm-hmm. portal all that is done is the ripple quote unquote is done by hiring the first employee but it may, it's just amazing how much of this they built it's just not payroll right. right well and and this is what was interesting at, at scaling is I stopped by the booth I said hi to Matt Donaldson he showed me a demo of what they're building in rippling it looked to me like zapier but for payroll and HR so Rippling connects to all the different apps that you have, and it sends out that initial Ripple when you hire somebody. That pe- That is what people are familiar with. Hire somebody, provision them a laptop, and set them up on all the apps, for example. Now what they're doing is what happens after that employee is hired. So setting up all these Ripples or actions, I don't know what they call them, when, for instance, an employee gets a pay raise over a certain threshold, you want to have internal controls around that set up that internal control check. And when somebody goes on paid leave, set up something like this. And so it's it's automating a ton of the payroll HR stack. And I could see the, the value of this in saving time. And more and more accounting firms are managing this for clients. So I could see this being a, a, a great way to automate that, scale that, so that you're not bogged down in the minutia of administrating for your clients when you do this type of service. So it was it was really interesting. And he, they even have this ability to custom code actions that happen. And that reminded me of what we saw at NetSuite where you can create all these customizations in the ERP in a way that you can't with QuickBooks and Xero. So Rippling's also making that available to customers. And that allows for a lot of developer custom coding. You could do some really neat things. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but you know, like there's something specific to the business where, you know, when certain things ha- happen with your people, you need X to happen. Well, if the software doesn't have that built in, you can build it. So they're clearly going up market 
right? They're they're clearly looking to serve those customers closer to a thousand employees than to ten employees with this kind of stuff because this is something you'd never need if you're a small small employer, a micro business or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so, I mean yeah. they're basically you know a, a fast, quick, larger business that is hiring employees. It helps them get control over it, but you're kind of getting eight or nine solutions in one. Another announcement at the event, Woodard is partnering with Walters Kluwer, the Woodard group, Joe Woodard's group that puts on Scaling New Heights, is going to have discounts for members for XCM. Yeah, it's some sort of a pricing agreement that through the Woodard group, if you're Provisor and you, you're a group member, you can get access to this for cheaper. But I really wasn't sure. Can you explain kind of what XCM does and like why I'd even want that if all my clients are, if I don't do any tax work, do I really need this? I'm kind of confused. Well, that's the thing is XCM is super heavy in the tax world. And I had to use it at the big firm that I was at. And we were forced onto it because the rest of the firm was using it and it started with tax. And it it, it is basically built... Um, it's like a digital version of those old routing sheets that people use on tax returns. And I'm sure some some firms still use where you have this sheet on the top. It's like a checklist and it shows who's had it. And it, that's what it is. It's a digital version of that. And it doesn't, in my opinion, work well for CAS. It's not the right solution. And so I was confused by this announcement. I, is this really appropriate for smaller firms? I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. That's, that's definitely my take. I, I, Sorry, just as as somebody who has used it, I got to be honest. I would not recommend XCM for cast practices or bookkeeping practices or anything like that. Well, especially because the interesting thing about that, I mean, there was a bunch on the floor, right? You have Lisa was there. I don't think Carbon was there, but there was a Imagine Time, which I think is being rebranded as Mango. Like, there's a lot of Client Hub was there. There's a lot mm-hmm. of kind of practice management type software that's really designed around a small business working relationship. Yeah, right. There's lots of good solutions now. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why why they didn't partner with one of those uh, firms. But yeah, anyway, Gusto made an acquisition. We've been talking about payroll and HR. Let's talk about that. Gusto has acquired Remote Team. The acquisition will add several new features to Gusto's software, including international contractor payments in over 80 countries and simplified business tax registration in all 50 states and Washington, D.C. Remote Team, like Gusto, is based in San Francisco, but the company has a workforce spanning across other countries like Turkey, as well as an office in Austin, Texas. So is this going to help me run payroll in other countries, or is this a compliance type business registration play? It's going to help you do both. It's going to help you pay international contractors. So let's say you've got a developer in another country, you need to pay them. It's going to help you stay compliant with that and then do business tax uh, registration. Interesting. So it's kind of a, a twofold. Yeah, I'm curious whatever what else uh, Remote Team does. We can go check out their website. It says Remote Team is an all-in-one operating system that provides HR solutions to your remote team and global contractors is there, payments. So they do the payments, they do time tracking, invoices, tax compliance, global payroll. And then there's an HR app so that you can check in with your remote team, manage time off and holidays, reimburse them. This is a kind of app news, but it's a little bit more on the edge a little bit. Um, the FBI raided a point of sale company, Pax Technology. Are you familiar with Pax Technology? No. So they are um, like merchant services, point of sale, merchant terminals. There's some chips or there's something in it. 
and they're sending packets of data that don't actually match the payment data from like a size and the frequency. So the FBI raided um, their Florida offices. And so this is still breaking. This is on Krebs, uh, Krebs, KrebsOnSecurity.com. And other bank, other platforms that are using it are starting to pull these machines down now. So this is a Chinese company. Chinese company. PAX Technology. PAX Technology. They have more than 60 million point-of-sale terminals in use throughout 120 countries. And you're saying that they're sending data back to China, but it is suspicious? Yeah. So the quote is, a major U.S. payment processor began asking questions about network packets originating from PAX terminals, and we're not given any good answers. Huh. So basically, the, these systems, these point-of-sale systems may have been involved in cyber attacks on U.S. and EU organizations. And when you think about, you think about like these cyber attacks that have targeted, remember Target, Home Depot, they're just stealing hundreds of millions of credit cards. Right. If the terminal is this thing that's doing the stealing, that's probably not good. Right. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to compromise a terminal, but what if the company itself was compromised? And they had millions of terminals with credit card information, personal information, people's buying habits. Wow. That's an interesting find. We'll have to yeah. keep an eye on that. And it was combined, too, is the FBI and Department of Homeland Security. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Center. Often when finance and accounting teams are asked what are some of the biggest challenges they face, you'll hear finding time for analysis and optimization, closing the books on time, and working more efficiently. One of the best ways to overcome those challenges is to lean on technology. Center is next-generation expense management software that makes it easy to automate expense tracking and save finance and accounting teams a huge amount of time. Center has the power and flexibility to adapt to your client's way of accounting for expenses. Think unlimited custom fields, projects, client names, classes, locations, and GL integrations like QuickBooks Online, Sage Intact, and NetSuite, eliminating those Excel pivot table hacks or repeated hours of manual coding. With Center, employees can easily submit expenses and receipts in real time and say goodbye to the monthly expense report. You'll see what has been purchased with Center as it happens, including unsubmitted expenses. You can even create workflows and rules to ensure compliance with company expense policies. To learn more about how Center can help you add more value to your clients, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Center. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-E-N-T-E-R. Center Expense Management, one solution start to finish. We got some updates for QuickBooks Online for October. Let's see what's new in the most popular cloud accounting application in the United States. Matching receipts to reviewable bank transactions on QuickBooks Online. It's now possible to review both bank transactions and their corresponding receipts at the same time on the Banking for Review page. All right, I have not tried that yet, but I think I this makes a lot of sense because there was a disconnect somewhere if you scanned your receipts. And then I was like, why doesn't you just see the bank transaction that's over here? You almost had to like scan a receipt, have it create a transaction. <laughs> and then you go to the bank feeds page to match it. So it feels like this is tying together. I have not tried it yet. Next is payment links in QuickBooks Desktop. Uh-oh. It's QuickBooks Desktop news. It's the uh, desktop accounting podcast uh, for a moment. Let's see what's new. Now you can take advantage of a new QuickBooks Desktop payment tool that lets you share a payment link with clients, making online payments quicker and easier. Wait, it, was this not in desktop before? 
I don't think so. And this is what, you know, NetSuite just launched. It's been zero in QuickBooks Online for probably since day one. Yeah, well, um, this is like the, 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 offers the, it. the, the core functionality of, of Melio where you work, David, right? The pay now link. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually was surprised that um, in general, Ceiling New Heights historically has always been kind of desktop heavy. Yeah. And it, the vibe just wasn't there as much this year for the first Good. time. It, Good riddance. I mean, it's still there, but but I'm also starting to, I, I figured out a new um, way to talk about QuickBooks desktop. I'm starting to feel like it's like your 32-year-old brother-in-law who still lives with their par- the parents. <laughs> <laughs> right, everybody keeps enabling it to keep happening. Right, mm-hmm. nobody has the courage to just shut it down, and everybody has to suffer. Right, like right. everybody has to right. adjust things, create processes. Um, developers have to get special developers to build things. They need special support. It just holds back the whole industry. But it really is like they keep enabling it. They add a new feature like this. Stop adding features. Last feature in this article. Uh oh, QuickBooks Enterprise with cloud access. QuickBooks Enterprise with Cloud Access lets you collaborate and work seamlessly with your remote team. It protects your business data with automatic backups. So what is this? This is you you are using a local file and then it syncs up to the cloud. This kind of reminds me of what Sage did with their desktop, like Sage 50, Sage 100 products where you use the desktop product, but then it's a file that's synced up in the cloud so people can access it from their desktop computers. Like some sort of newer version... QuickBooks desktop always had that accountant's copy. Yeah. Give to your accountant, your account can make changes and it sync those changes back in. Probably like a souped up version of that or something that's all in the cloud. So like I, I actually feel better about that sort of thing. That's kind of neat because it really is cloud then if the database is in the cloud. But of course the problem is you're using this old interface that doesn't have all the uh, integrations. Anyway. Know, it's time It's time to move on. Time, time to move to on. Come out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to have an intervention perhaps. Audit site raises 2.5 million from Hyde Park Ventures. I had not heard about Audit Site until I saw this. They got an article in TechCrunch. TC Whitaker is the co-founder and CEO of Audit Site, and he says that companies can spend millions of dollars per year on audits, but the customer experience is lacking. He recalls doing audit work from a windowless room, punching numbers into a spreadsheet while he was working for PwC. That's kind of a rite of passage, right? So he was working in that windowless room, punching numbers into a spreadsheet. He says, it was really painful. They have to show all the details. And out of that, the auditor will make some selections. And there's crazy back and forth with the client who's also trying to do their day job. Even back then, I was thinking there had to be a better way to do this. So he built a company inside of PwC around cloud systems for audit work. And they ultimately left PwC last year to start another company called Audit Site that eliminates the back and forth by using APIs to access client records and can also look at 100% of the transactions instead of a sample. So this is software for auditors. It plugs into your client's GL and uh, other systems, it appears, and then pulls those transactions in so that you can audit all the transactions, not just a sample of them. So this is kind of neat, right? This is an industry that has lagged behind all the other accounting space in terms of apps, and now there's another solution out there for auditors. Will you get a better seat in the building now? Well, now you don't have to go to the building. You don't have to sit there in that windowless conference room. That's the idea, right? You just you plug into your clients. Uh, I don't know, what, what systems they integrate with? I'm looking on the website. QuickBooks right now. So you plug into your client's QuickBooks file. They pull the data into audit site, and then you can audit remotely. You know, maybe then you go to the office to do the interviews and and like look people in the eye and figure out if they're shifty or not. 
but you, you know you don't need to be there to test the transactions. That's the idea. Zero announced that it is the preferred accounting partner for the U.S. CrossFit community. This new collaboration means over 5,000 U.S. CrossFit affiliate owners can access financial insights from Z the Zero platform, along with resources to help them strengthen their business. Four times strapped affiliate owners, blah, 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 marketing, marketing stuff. Anyway, that's interesting. So now they made, they made a deal with CrossFit. That's a huge franchise. Yeah, it's, it's a massively super controlled brand. Like, I'm not even sure you're allowed to say CrossFit on this podcast without us having to pay a royalty. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a super controlled brand and it, I could see them possibly, I mean, I don't know the fran if they run the franchises that way, but- Mandating it? Yeah, mandating it, but mm -hmm. it's a, this could be a good thing for Zero. Well, so that's a tough thing. And it actually came up in that interview we did at Sweet World with the CFO at School of Rock, where- it's a delicate dance mandating accounting software to your franchisees because some franchisees only have one location. And for them, something lightweight like QuickBooks or Zero is going to work. Or maybe their account or bookkeeper doesn't use Zero. Yeah. yeah. And, and really, you know, generally you don't need anything other than the top line revenue number from these franchisees. So it's not that important to have all the data on the same systems. You just need a report every month. Or you can get it from the point of sale. That's the best way to do it, right? You, you mandate a point of sale to your franchisees. They have to use that. And see, those exist. And that would be yeah. a, that would actually be a bigger press release or a combined one if, if Zero was like, oh, Aaron, we also now have a deep sync with these three CrossFit, CrossFit point of sales. Point of sales. Yeah. Or member, gym membership or, apps. Or the, or one that they, the one that they require you to use. Yeah. Because then the point of sale syncs with the CrossFit software and it's the same experience in every... All right, we got one more app story. This is a fun one. David, I'll let you take it. The accountant's favorite apps of 2021 edition on Accounting Today. Yeah, so <laughs> I, don't know. I saw this. My hands this. are in the air. My hands are in the air. It just, it's just like, it's not a good article. It's, <laughs> it's bad. Apparently, Accounting Today every year asks a panel of experts, all practicing accountants, for a list of their favorite apps. So I, I guess I didn't get asked because I'm... I don't know, maybe I'm technically not practicing. I do have a client. So I do I do accounting and bookkeeping, just FYI, everybody. So you can survey me. I'm happy to give my But it didn't say when input. this happened, who they surveyed, what type of people were surveyed. It just basically looks like a list of apps that bought their way into a list, <laughs> to be honest. Well, yeah, we don't know the methodology of this, right? And so it's a list of 14 apps. There's no methodology and they're in an order, but I'm not sure what the order is. Is this the order of popularity, frequency, randomness? It's unclear. And the first app, should we just run through the list? Yeah, like let's run a, through the list. All right. And then you just, we'll just give our commentary if we like. It'll be like a top 10 kind of list, but it's 14. Why 14? Anyway, so number one is Smart Vault. And then it just, no, it has a number one buy. It doesn't necessarily mean it's number one, right? Right. right. These are just, just random. I don't know what the order of these are. First in the order. Yeah. Online then, document storage, it makes sense. I think yeah. accounts bookkeepers, I buy it. They're using that. It it's popular. Sense. DocuSign, number two, DocuSign, e-signature capabilities. Which is interesting because I think we've had some articles where a vast majority of accounts bookkeepers are not using any electronic signing software. Right. Like this. Right. So is that, is that, does that mean it's popular or not? I, anyway. Three is Lysio. Lysio is the client uh, portal, communications, secure messaging, 
They also have e-signatures, information requests. Four is Carbon, practice management software. That doesn't surprise me because Carbon powers into it practice management for tax professionals. So it's white labeled inside of that. Five ADP is, doesn't surprise me. Number ADP, five. five is ADP. I mean, everybody uses that because there's, there's the behemoth. Then it says special mention, pay simple by ADP. Okay, I don't know what a special mention is. Uh, six is Quotient. Quotient is a quote building app that allows users to create custom template quotes that are aesthetically pleasing. And, and, some ca- and so they had these categories. It'd be nice if they showed each category. It's a proposal oh, software, yeah. but like, what happened to practice ignition, right? Are they in this? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, practice ignition is by far the more popular proposal software. Like you look at the surveys, it dominates. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know what, why they're not on here. Uh, seven. Oh, Melio hey, David. on the list. You work at Melio, full disclosure. Melio is payments. Well, I should let you say it. No, I mean, it's, it's easy to use payments and receivables. Right? Yeah. Built into QuickBooks Online. Eight is LastPass, my favorite password manager. I love it. Great for your firm. Definitely use that. Nine, Relay. This is what I was confused on. I want I like there's no link. I don't know. Visit, I'm gonna Google relay app. Wait, wait. So so this is I'm confused. Read the description. Read the description. Okay. Because I don't know if so, I buy into this. So well there's a whole back. Okay, so relay. Relay. When I saw this, I thought, oh, that's awesome. It's relay financial. Which side note, I just started working with Relay Financial as their accounting community advocate. It's a new part-time position I've taken on. So of course I'm excited to see Relay. But then Underneath Relay, it says category, client communication, remote work. Relay provides a system of push-to-talk devices that can connect with each other and be named according to who uses them. The devices work like walkie-talkies and can be connected to smartphones via the Relay app. What? See, I, 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 these are the same <laughs> accounts that aren't texting with their clients. I, I, I don't, like, this one's really the one that really got me the most. And then I went to RelayApp.com, and it looks like some sort of public safety, non-emergency line to, I, I, I don't know what this I, is. I think this is a mistake. I think it was supposed to be Relay Financial and that whoever put this together. Like just know the industry? and They they searched for a Relay and they found a different Relay. It has to be. That's the one that really was. As soon as I saw that, I actually, I wasn't going to bring this article to the show until I saw you had it. When when I saw that, I was like, this article's bunk. (laughs) Well, it has to be wrong, right? Because a push to talk device that allows your clients to talk to you whenever they want is the worst nightmare. Can you imagine anything worse than a push to talk (laughs) walkie talkie system? And then where's Microsoft Teams? Where's Microsoft Excel? (laughs) Like, where are these other apps they're using? I don't know. So, so, and then, so, then, then snag it, which makes sense. And a lot of people yes. use that. Good notes, I have not heard of before. Uh, Good notes is a paperless note taking tool, a notes and markup app for iPads. I do not use it, it's in the miscellaneous category. Number 12, Slack needs no introduction, but not Microsoft Teams. And we know that Microsoft Teams is more popular among accountants because they use the Office 365 stack. Go figure. Number 13, My Business App for advisory and reporting. It's a practice uh, advisory and management reporting solution. Again, I have not, I'm not familiar with it. I think I saw that. I I feel like that had some traction a few years ago. And then basically it's like build, you almost build your own, instead of having your website, it's like having your own website in an app and you make your customers yeah. download that. And in theory, it ties to your apps and the other things you use in your firm. But I don't know anybody, like, I don't know if I, it's massive adoption. I feel like if it was, then I would know at least one firm using it. Good but point. I, Okay, last on the list, ASAP Utilities for Excel. It's an add-on for Microsoft Excel itself. I buy that. I buy that. I've never heard of it, but I believe this one. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's just weird. 
just strange we strange need to make article. a list like like we should do this. we should make a list uh, we should survey our app. listeners we should survey our listeners what are their top apps because i feel like it would be a little more accurate we could do three and, things you could have yours i could have mine yes and then we could have the, the listener survey <laughs> so um i did mention this as we were discussing the article i feel like i should probably uh, explain it a little more i've taken on a new role you may have seen this on uh, social media i am now the accountant community advocate at Relay Financial, the modern banking solution for businesses and accountants. Uh, it's a part-time role, and I'm going to keep doing this podcast. And I am also continuing to build my Earmark CPE app that will get you free CPE. Uh, the Relay team is very supportive of that, and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that role in addition to these other these other roles. I'm, I'm, I'm staying busy. Well, really, really is a good product. They sponsor the podcast. I'm moving. I So I was at BBVA, had my business account there. They got bought by PNC, and I went for a three-week period where I couldn't sign into the website. Finally, I got in yesterday through a phone call to their support, which was not a great experience. And then, now I still can't get the bank feeds to connect. So I will be moving my funds over to my Relay bank account. So, so you're shutting down the traditional bank account fully. You couldn't log in for three weeks? Yeah, they this... started the migration, whatever, October 12th. I mean, I've been busy too, but like- Right, right. But yeah, still... I, couldn't, I couldn't connect. I had no idea what was going on with the account. I couldn't connect to the account. Um, they said they sent me a new uh, ATM card. I don't think I've seen that anywhere. Oh, what a disaster. It, it's a, yeah, the, so yes, I want to switch. And then I was kind of thinking about like this, like house of cards fintech is, right? If you think about some of these apps, like uh, let's just say Brex, for example, mm-hmm. right? So Brex needs to log in through Plaid, right? To see your bank account and adjust your credit limit based on that. Well, if I had a Brex card, um, Plaid wouldn't have been able to log into my bank account, right? Which means all my credit spend account cards would have been shut down. Well, if I use those to pay for apps that we use to make the podcast, those apps wouldn't have gotten paid. Like everything's just really a domino and it's all based mm. on the login to the bank account. <laughs> and you couldn't get in. I couldn't get in. Uh. So, but yeah, that, that's been a, but I can get in now, but I just can't get a bank feed. And then my my gut instinct is the bank feeds are going to be hosed because on the website, I can see the transaction that happened since like October 12th. Like typical transactions you'd see if you go to any bank website. Then they have a tab that says transactions uh, prior or from BBVA. Oh, yeah. yeah. And all it does is say debit, credit, and an amount and a date. That's it. Oh, no. Yeah, like, you're not no going to There's no detail whatsoever. And so I'm, I'm like, oh, God. Now, when this you're comes host. in. You're hosed. I'm hosed. And I can't get the old data. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's. They, they botched the whole thing. It, it's horrible. That's because banks don't care about small businesses. And that's what's interesting about Relay because they're building a bank starting with small businesses only. So so in our teardown of that Accounting Today article in which we ripped it to shreds, I mentioned that Office 365 is popular. And there's a survey from CPA Trendlines that shows that Office 365 is used by 50.5% of uh, all firms in their 2020 survey, the rest of them are using the old office, I suppose, the desktop office. So that's interesting. We've hit we've hit the 50% mark on cloud for Microsoft. That's a milestone, really. Google Apps and Google Docs, which I love, only got 2% of all firms. Now, interestingly, of the extra large firms, over 7% said that they are using that. So maybe in, in combination with Office 365, 
a lot of people I know use Google Docs and Sheets I mean, to this collaborate. this is what's great about conferences, right? Yeah. You, you walk through the keynote when people, before the keynote starts, everybody has their laptops open, they're doing stuff. You it's see what they're using. Outlook. You don't see anybody with Gmail open. And that was true at Intax Conference. And this was true at Scaling New Heights. Yep. Everybody has Outlook open. Yep. Everybody everybody is, is Microsoft Office 365. The vast, so this is vast majority I, by far. This is why when we were at, when I was at Flowcast, we, you know, people in the tech world like their Macs. And I love my Macs and my Apple system. I, 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 I'm unabashedly uh, an Apple fanboy now. And I've got a story about that. Uh, just ordered my new Mac Pro. And so we were deciding whether or not to use Apple computers for the sales team. And we decided actually that while the engineers and the marketing people and everybody else could use Macs, we're going to make the salespeople use laptops, PC laptops. And the reason is that you want the prospect, the customer, to feel familiar when you're doing those demos. So if you are a developer, and you are deciding what platform to use, consider having your salespeople use Microsoft, Windows, because I think it gives you an advantage. Gosh, it's so smart. Yeah. Because even at Melio, the standard issued machines are all Macs, and they're demoing on Macs, Mac browsers. Yeah, but that's that's not familiar. Smart. Right. Yeah. genius. Well, and that's because, you know, Flowcast was founded by a former auditor. So that's the... He understood the mentality, right? You got to understand your customers. You got to oh, so be like your customers. So yeah. Simple. Well, plus so, I think I imagine Excel on the Mac is just a little, enough, a little bit different. Yeah. Well, yeah. and counterpoint to this, let's say you are an accounting firm and you serve creatives and your customers are on Mac. Do you really want to be screen sharing with them and they see something that's not familiar to them? Yeah. You might want to consider using Apple products. You might even lead with that, like, hey, we are a mm-hmm. Apple first firm. I can see yeah. that makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. Right? It's sort of like the way you design your office. This is this is the virtual environment that we are creating for our customers now that we don't have that office anymore. Well, we used to be very conscious about how we designed our offices to appeal to our target demographic. If they were finance people and financial, we might design a very corporate looking type of office, formal looking perhaps. Maybe if they were lawyers, maybe we do the big wood desks in the, in the bookcases. And if they're creatives, then we do something like a WeWork kind of vibe. Same idea with your tech, you know, you got you to adapt that as well. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Baco Tech. Baco Tech is a cloud solution that puts CPAs in the middle of their clients' data by becoming the hub to manage all their clients' information in one single place. Baco Tech gathers clients' data from accounting systems like QuickBooks, Zero, and Sage and delivers it to CPAs in real time, enabling CPAs to make adjustments to tax returns and address client accounting issues as they happen, not after year end. Then, at year end, CPAs can instantly and seamlessly integrate that tax ready data into their preferred tax or accounting firm software like Drake. Assert, UltraTax, CCH Access, and ProSystem FX. This allows your firm to plan and prepare for tax returns throughout the year and allows you to proactively offer advisory services for all your clients instead of reactive planning services after year end. To learn more about Baco Tech and to take advantage of their special two-month extended trial just by mentioning that you listen to the Cloud Accounting Podcast during your demo, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Baco. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash B-A-C-O. 
so Blake, I found a job for you. Like, like I, you, I already got like five jobs. This so lets I'm good. you, but there's another one. This is going to allow you to combine your love of journalism with your love of accounting. What is this job? So, tell so me. So ProPublica. So ProPublica, we've covered lots of articles on the show. So ProPublica, they uh, wrote up all those articles about the TurboTax issues. Mm-hmm. Right. That was ProPublica. Um, PPP fraud, PPP issues. They helped expose a lot of that. They had the what are they calling the papers? The big release of all these financial tax documents. Oh, the well, it's not the Panama Papers. It's no. a different one. This Which time. I think they actually may have been part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the the latest one where we found out like about how much billions people have in their IRAs and the rich are avoiding taxes. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. That tranche of paperwork that got released and the do investigative uh, journalism. Well, they are hiring a finance director reporting to the vice president of finance and administration. In this newly created role, the finance director will oversee the management and review of the general finance and daily accounting and functions for ProPublica and oh. manage a five-person team of accounting and finance responsible for the annual operating budget of approximately $40 million. Wow, they're, they're pretty decent size. And what caught yeah. my eye on this and why it even bubbled up into my like news feed stuff that we prepare for the articles is the requirements. So proficiency with Excel and Google Docs are required, along with experience with accounting expense and payroll platforms. Experience with QuickBooks Online, Expensify, and or ADP Workforce now is a plus. I love when they put the tech stack in the job posting. Yeah. And I I tell people this. I actually spoke to a group of accountants, a a group of students recently, and I got this question, which was, how how can I prepare for tech? Because you know, it's not being taught in the classroom. And I said, go out and look at the job descriptions for the jobs you want and look for the technology. It's in there a lot of the time. So if, if, you're a, if you want to work for a company that's using NetSuite, learn NetSuite. Go get the certification. Work your way into that. Um, same with QuickBooks, right? If the type of companies you want to work for are using that, go learn it. Get the experience with it. didn't say you had to be a CPA. But they want bachelor's degree. They want all this other experience. But if you get the QuickBooks Online experience combined with some apps like Expensify or whatever on top, that's going to get you in the yep. door probably sooner. Now, what it, what's interesting about this as well is ProPublica went very hard out into it. Very, very hard. And it turns out they're Intuit customer as well. <laughs> <laughs> that is – oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Like that's Intuit funny. Intuit just turned off their QuickBooks <laughs> Online, turned it back on, made it hard oh, to log in. They could have they played with them a little bit if they funny. wanted to. That is funny. Oh, man. Hey, well, you you just you pointed out something interesting, which is that this job posting doesn't say you have to be a CPA, but it does ask that you have experience, or it says it's a bonus if you have experience with these apps. I would argue that this is the change that's happening: is that fewer positions, fewer employers are requiring a CPA, and more are asking for technology experience. And that brings me to a video that I saw about the decline in CPAs. The Illinois CPA Society has been doing a really good job talking about this, surveying this, putting out good data about the decline of CPAs in the, the in the profession. I mean, we, we have fewer CPAs getting their license, fewer taking the exam, and the question is why. Now, I have I have argued that a a reason, and I don't have like data to support this, but I've said, well, anecdotally, I think the 150 hour requirement is stupid, and I think that's discouraging people and we should get rid of it. But then um, I saw this video and it features the president and CEO of the Illinois CPA Society, Todd M. Shapiro, and he seems to suggest otherwise. So I just want to play it for you. Okay. It's just a few minutes. It used to be that if you earn an accounting degree, 
earning your CPA credential was your next destination. The CPA credential has historically presented accounting graduates with a runway to professional success. Yet since 2016, we've watched the number of new CPAs decline and less than half of all accounting graduates ever sit for the CPA exam, even fewer ever pass it. Many of us in and close to the CPA profession make various assumptions about what really influences the ebb and flow of the CPA pipeline. But we must get away from supposition if we're going to climb out of this descent and reestablish Destination CPA as the place accounting graduates want to go. We develop a research study to learn what's really canceling people's pursuit of the CPA credential. There are those who say the 150-hour credit requirement to sit for the CPA exam has long been the main barrier. But that's just not the case, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone since it's been around for over 20 years, during which we saw significant growth in the early 2000s. Our research found that candidates are not pursuing the CPA credential because they feel they can take off in their anticipated or chosen careers without it. They believe that any value the CPA credential holds is outweighed by its lack of relevance to their personal endeavors and the time commitment necessary to obtain it. We also learned that they don't see the personal or financial return investment, their employers or prospective employers aren't supporting or requiring it, and they see other experiences as being more valuable. I believe if people see the value in the CPA credential, be it personal or financial, as with everything, they will put it on the radar and ultimately pursue it. What I will tell you now is that our findings reinforce our steadfast belief that the CPA credential and the CPA profession are in a race for relevance. And the time to act is now, before a value proposition gets too far off course. The full eye-opening findings are detailed in our new Insight Special feature, a CPA pipeline report decoding the decline. The journey to reversing the CPA credentials decline will not be without its turbulence, and we'll need to navigate the bumps together if we're to ensure that CPAs remain the most trusted and strategic business advisors for generations to come. So that's the the video. So the thing that caught my attention was he says right up front that it's not the 150 hour requirement. It's other things like lack of relevance and employers not requiring it. Because if you and yeah, because if you thought you were like, hey, this will double my salary, you're going to put in that work of those 150 hours to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, and we find it doesn't double your salary, but I mean, there are studies that show that it does increase your earnings, or at least historically it has. But the reason I thought of that right now is because you mentioned that that ProPublica finance director job or whatever it is didn't require the CPA, but it did ask for technology expertise, and so. Like that is tied to this in that employers aren't requiring it as much. So people aren't going to go get it. And if employers aren't requiring it, we should be asking ourselves, well, why aren't they requiring it? Maybe it's because it doesn't, it doesn't uh, give you the skills that they are, they, they want and they want the tech skills. Yeah. The other thing though, I mean, even, even the the, the position starts out the sentence, they want analytical, creative, self-motivated finance professional. Yeah. I don't think creative. They put creative in their role description. It's, it's a creative accounting position. Right. Um, and that I don't think people would associate that word with the CPA generally, historically. The, but the th- I, I'm still not sure about this 150 hour requirement thing because I looked into the survey, the, the report decoding the decline, and there was no chart, there was no survey data presented about the 150 hour requirement specifically. And I do s- suspect my theory is that it has an impact because we hear it from our listeners. And also, he mentions that it takes too much time. Well, 
the 150 hour requirement is time. So like, I don't understand how it can be dismissed so easily. I, I feel like it does have an impact. Now, maybe it's not a massive impact, but it, I know I personally just dislike it and I would love to see more data on it. So I asked, so I emailed the Illinois CPA society, Todd Shapiro, and I said, Hey, if you've got data, I would love to see it uh, specifically on this. Did you ask about the 150 hour requirement? So I will let you know if I hear back. Uh, but I love the report. I love the 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 curiosity, the fact that they are actually trying to figure this out. Everyone else just seems to be sort of like shrugging their shoulders. I, I mean, what is the solution? If employers aren't demanding it, like, this is a whole supply. Market, it's yeah, like it, a free market, right? If they're not demanding it, of course, less people are going to get it. There's no demand yeah, so, for it. Supply and demand, right. And And this brings me to, I don't know, my other point, which is, we get people saying you shouldn't make the CPA easier to get because, and sometimes they're honest. They say, I like that there's a restricted supply. Uh, but according to supply side economic theory, if you don't supply enough CPAs, then the market will stop demanding them because they'll look to other credentials and they'll look to other solutions to get what they need. So restricting supply could in the end hurt us more than it helps. I mean, long-term, it certainly will. So uh, I, I mentioned I had an Apple story. I, I got to share this story too. Apple's most back-ordered new product is not what you expect. What do you think Apple's most back-ordered new product is, David? Did, have you heard any of the recent announcements? It's the stupid piece of cloth to wash the screens off or something, right? Yes, you're right. It's not the, $20 the new- $20 rag. <laughs> it's not the new MacBook Pro, which I, I ordered one because I'm, I'm due for a new computer and I'm very excited about those like fancy new processors. It is the Apple, what is it called? It's got a name. Uh, the sucker it's the, cloth. Sucker it's cloth? the polishing cloth, the Apple polishing cloth. It is $19, a $19 oh, microfiber cloth. Apple people, man, you suckers. 6.3 6. by 6.3 inches. And like, obviously, as soon as it was announced, it caused uh, you know people to mock Apple and Apple users and the people who are buying these. And it's it's pretty funny, right? But but there's a lesson here. You're underpricing your services, guys. So Apple is able to charge $19 for a piece of cloth because of their brand. And this is this is why branding and marketing is so important. And I tell accountants and bookkeepers, you can't ignore it because this is what it lets you do. Obviously, this is the best example of this in the history of the world, probably, but being able to charge four times as much for something that is obviously not materially better is, is this is the pinnacle of it, that Apple can do this. So I, I firmly believe that accountants and bookkeepers, you know, the services we provide are often viewed as a commodity by our prospects. But if you attach a brand, a good brand to that commodity, you can charge a lot more for it. And just imagine the difference in your firm of being able to charge even 25% more than your competitor for exactly the same thing because you have a good brand. Well, yeah, brands matter, right? People want to be associated yeah. with winners. They want to be associated with success. They want to be associated with cool, right? Prestige. And, and Apple, yes. And Apple is, like, the, the lesson is not that Apple users are stupid because they are not. No. The lesson is that Apple has an amazing brand. Yeah, because now you can be like, oh, Blake must really be doing well financially because he can afford the $20 cloth for his monitor. And, and, exactly. It's a status theory, thing, It's right? a status. It's totally a status thing. Yeah. 
and, and also it's it's uh, price anchoring because Apple products are expensive. They are top of the market pricing. You know, twenty dollars is kind of like the base. And this is just one, right? So when it gets dirty, if you wash it the wrong way, it's ruined. You got to order another one. You lose it. You're going to like oh, it. Yeah. And then you're going to buy multiple because you need one for your glasses and one for your other TV screen and one for your other screen. One in your backpack. It's, oh man, Apple's cheap. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a guy in the article who ordered four of them. Oh, come I mean, on. <laughs> I, me, I personally, I don't do this, by the way, David. I just want to say this for everyone. I drive a Honda Civic, guys. Um, I bought the 20 pack of microfiber cloths on Amazon for like $20. So, um, but I also will buy a $3,000 laptop because I know it will last me six years versus one I have to switch out every three. That's my philosophy. So we are just about out of time. Anything else you want to chat about? Oh, we got a voice memo. I got to play that before we go. You want to talk about the Pokemon card? <laughs> the Pokemon card too? Okay. Let's play the voice memo and then right, um, we're going to lead. We're going to end on the Pokemon card and the tie into accounting. So, Hello, David and Blake. This is Ryan Piercy calling you from England where the Queen lives. I wanted to... I'm sorry, I can't continue in that voice. We don't really all sound like that over here. Anyway, I just wanted to drop you both a voice note on a few things. Firstly, love the show. Been listening for quite a while now and get lots of insights into how cloud accounting tech is moving over in the US and compare that to how it is over in the UK. Secondly, I wanted to pick up on the news you had a while ago around KPMG UK aiming for a specific working class representation in its top roles, if you remember that news. You commented in your uh, podcast about the UK probably having a more defined class system, which has resulted in the need to publicise this. But I wanted to clarify that that isn't actually the norm over here. The majority of firms nowadays, and for a while, to be honest, hire from different backgrounds and ethnicities. And this has created a much more diverse pool of expertise. But sadly, some of the larger institutions have been slower to adapt. And I think KPMG are probably actually just reacting to the, their pay gaps um, that was in the news as well. Thirdly, and admittedly, the main reason for the call is to let you, you both know and also your listeners know that we've recently launched a similar podcast over in the UK called Digitals in a Cruel World, which has app news as well as interviews and plans to delve into the world of digital transformations. So if you or your listeners want to hear what it's like over the pond, please check it out. And in typical David fashion, that is D-I-G-I hyphen T-O-O-L-S-I-N-A-C-C-R-U-A-L-W-O-R. LD. Catch it on all the normal podcast channels. Keep up the great work and let us know if you want to shout out on our show. Cheers. Perfect. I'll Thanks, try to track down that leak so we get in the show notes for everybody. Yeah, we'll we'll put that in. Uh, that's awesome. Another cloud accounting podcast across the pond. Maybe someday we can do a live uh, crossover episode. Well, one story left to take us out, David, and it is a fraud story. And it is probably my favorite fraud story I have heard ever because it involves Pokemon and my son just got into Pokemon. I am desperately trying to acquire them because apparently Pokemon cards are cool again <laughs> and they're hard to find. There's a, there's a shortage of Pokemon cards. It's, it's Pokemon inflation. It's a supply side crunch. Uh, yeah. So David, what, what is, what is the deal with Pokemon? Why are we talking about it on the show? Well, they're valuable, right? Apparently, you know, they're it's like Bitcoin or you always call those other things. Beanie um, babies. Beanie babies. <laughs> um, but at least they're functional, right? You can use yeah. them and play a game. Like there's something here. Um, but apparently some of these cards now can go for tens of thousands of dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, a George man filled out coronavirus relief 
He lied about his income, lied about his number of employees. A month later, he got his $85,000 deposit in his bank, bank account, and he spent $57,789 to buy a Pokemon card. Just a single a Pokemon single card. card. <laughs> but they didn't say which one he purchased, which I think is kind of funny. I mean, of all the things to spend your fraud money on, come on. I mean, like, at least go for the trips, the fancy dinners, the sports car. Like, Put it into Bitcoin. I don't know. Like, it's just <laughs> I, I, it's, it, it's crazy when people get extra money, what they spend it on. Amazing. I mean, but, you know, maybe it, maybe it gave him joy to see that Pokemon card framed in his uh, den of, of thieves. And with that, David, we are out of time. If people want to connect with you online, where should they go? Uh, I'm on all the socials. I'm at David Leary. If you hit me up on LinkedIn, you're going to want to put I'm not a bot. And we'd love to hear from you. Please send us a voice memo. Uh, you can tweet at me. I'm at Blake T. Oliver. You can also email me, Blake at BlakeOliver.com. I think I'm just going to ask people to do this from now on. Instead of calling our voicemail number, just record a voice memo on your phone because the quality is so good. And then email it to Blake at BlakeOliver.com. David and I will listen. We will likely play it but on the air. You don't get to air. see a fancy phone number that ends in 1040. And which is cute, right? But, you know, I mean, come on, the quality. The quality of these voice memos is so good. I'm just going to go with that from now on. There's actually an app that will let people do this, too. We should probably set that up. Until next time, stay healthy, David, and I'll see you here next week. Bye, everybody. Time for the classifieds. If you're looking to quickly grow a scalable, systematic seven-figure accounting firm without having to work 50-plus hours per week, check out Ryan Lozanis' online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate. Sign around Ryan's experience taking his cloud firm from scratch to sale so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You'll get online learning and topics that help you automate and systemize all aspects of your firm. You'll get coaching when you need help with implementation, and you'll also join a collaborative community of hundreds of other forward-thinking firm owners. For more details, head over to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. Hey, podcast listeners. It's Blake, and I wanted to let you know about a new show I'm working on with CPA slash comedian Greg Kite and blogger slash former CPA Caleb Newquist. It's called Oh My Fraud, and it's a podcast all about financial crimes. That's right, a true crime podcast for accountants by accountants. Caleb and Greg are going to come together every couple weeks to unpack their favorite frauds and explore the circumstances, psychology, and interpersonal dynamics involved. They also fully indulge in victim-blaming the defrauded widows, orphans, infirm, and feeble-minded because who can resist? If you fancy yourself a trusted advisor or prefer your true crime with spreadsheets instead of corpses, listen to this show to learn what to watch out for and to keep your clients, your firm, and even yourself safe. To subscribe, go to ohmyfraud.com or search Oh My Fraud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.